Two Iowans are driving along a country road in the middle of the state in August of 1930. The two young men know each other through the aspirational artistic community of Eldon, Iowa, and as the dust flies out behind them, one of the two men, Grant, tells John to stop the car. There's a housey scene that he thinks would make for a good painting. The house doesn't seem like much of anything, and apart from the peculiar window placed in the gable that looks like a Sears purchase stuffed into an otherwise trim and standard home, John isn't sure why he stops the car, but he does. Grant steps out, takes an envelope from his pocket, and starts his first sketch of the house. That sketch turns into an oil and paperboard painting of a house, then a colorized and detailed painting of the house and its pretend owners. A few months later, after the models had sat for their portraits, Grant would put the final touches on what would become America's most famous painting. Almost immediately after its public distribution, he would face death threats from Iowa homemakers, a letter-writing campaign demanding the removal of the painting from the Art Institute of Chicago, and the criticism of Gertrude Stein, who wrote, We should fear Grant Wood. Every artist and every school of artists should be afraid of him for his devastating satire. This is 1000 Words, written and produced by Michael DeWatley, a podcast dedicated to examining the world that art has made. It's an image you have seen before. It's a piece of beaver board, which is like if canvas and plywood had an unholy union, and it's 30 inches wide and 25 inches tall, about as big as the giant post-its that get stuck on walls during brainstorming sessions. Imagine that piece of beaver board painted white, and then layered over top of that a simple white boarded house with green, more than perfect rounded trees around it, with a red barn on the right side of the picture. In front of the house stand two people, one a middle-aged pinched blonde woman dressed formally in black with a brooch, her hair parted in the middle. The man standing next to her, an older, nearly bald white man with a dark jacket and a darker countenance, holding a hayfork. American Gothic. And as many times as you've seen it, you've probably been seeing it wrong, at least at one point or another. After American Gothic was purchased by the Art Institute of Chicago, and newspapers began circulating the image, an enormous and confusing amount of protest erupted. Some people from small towns loved the painting, believing it to be a depiction of the stalwart nature of America's farming communities at the start of the Great Depression. Other folks from those same places thought the painting was attacking farming communities for being joyless, uninspired, and plain. Some cultured urbanites thanked Grant for showing the strength of the pioneer spirit, while other tastemakers appreciated the way the painting cut into the subjects as rubes who seemed to hate the fact that their portraits were being taken at all. 
Grant Wood himself didn't help clear up any of this confusion, though it's hard to blame him in some ways. Critics and fans alike became extremely spirited in their pursuit of his opinion, calling him at home or walking into the studio apartment he then shared with his mother and sister unannounced. It's easy to imagine Grant on the phone trying to appease an Iowan who had just threatened to bite his ear off that no, his painting was meant to celebrate the stoic, gritty, and strong spirits of the American Midwest. Or hear him suggest to a potential wealthy patron that yes, indeed, the woman is planning an escape attempt from the hard-pressed and limited life she was born into. With that in mind, though, he contradicted himself publicly and often about basic aspects of American Gothic. For example, Wood would claim that the couple in the picture were husband and wife, and then later say that they were father and daughter. While an artist only gets so much say in how their work is interpreted and defined, Grant's contradictions and waffling only made the painting's intentions murkier. And maybe that's what made it so powerful, because whether the subjects were intended to be ignorant hicks or lauded people of the earth, what they became were survivors. Whatever the original purpose of the painting was, it's transcended that and become more than a painting, it's an icon. The painting has become part of the legacy of what America is or what it used to be, and maybe that's why it's become quite possibly the most parodied piece of art in the world. The people, the house, the hayfork, they have been transformed countless times to reflect a message that someone wants to send about what's happening in America at any given moment. There's an entire website devoted to parodies of American Gothic, and it is not short of content. Tie a heart-shaped balloon onto the end of the hayfork, and you have an actual ad for the dating website FarmersOnly.com. Comment on the culture by making the couple about 100 pounds heavier and replacing the hayfork with a giant fork, and you have a Forbes magazine cover. Political commentary uses the image liberally every election cycle to pan a candidate for acting folksy when they're not, Hillary Clinton, or to tie together two politicians who don't seem to make a believable team, Bill and Hillary Clinton, or to demonstrate the lack of national unity during election cycles, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. People really seem to like making American Gothic parodies of Hillary Clinton. But when Gertrude Stein said to beware American Gothic satire, did she mean to be afraid of what has become a shorthand way of commenting on the zeitgeist? When Iowans began threatening to go full Mike Tyson on Grant Wood or to come over to his home to bash his head in, was that rage just the result of being perceived as the butt of a joke he may or may not have intended to tell? One thing Grant Wood made clear is that he loved living in Iowa. He always thought of himself as an Iowan, born, bred, and dead. He said, All that I attempted to do was to paint a picture of a gothic house and to depict the kind of people I fancied should live in that house. Sometimes, 
When it's at its most powerful, art is a mirror. And if you don't like or you're afraid of what you see in a mirror, it is hardly ever the mirror's fault. This has been 1000 Words. If you like what you heard, please do me a favor and like, subscribe, and review this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Believe me, it does a tremendous amount of good for the show. This podcast comes to you from the weird and wonderful city of Austin, Texas. Music from this podcast came from purpleplanet.com. Thanks for listening.